the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, I am Seth Leibson, and we are coming to you live from the 960 AM Patriot Studios, sponsored by Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. And it is a delight to do so with one of my favorite people in the state, really one of my favorite people in the country, former Congressman John Shattig. Um, John, oh, it's lovely. Ha- nice. Well, it's lovely having you here, and it's meaningful uh, to me and the audience because you are, you know, such a rare breed of such a great and integral advocate for all of the right things. Uh, first and foremost, freedom and uh, your generosity of time and thought and spirit in that cause on our behalf. So, you know, to the best that we can, we're going to push you, embarrass you, cudgel you, encourage you to run again because um, you're one of a kind. And it just means a lot that you spend some time with us every week. So thank you for being here. I enjoy it very much. And you're more than welcome. I hope you had a good better to be in the studio. (laughs) It's better to be in the studio than in Congress. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Way better. (laughs) We let you talk more. (laughs) We let you talk more. Never seen a one minute signal here in the studio. Did you get one minute? signal? Oh, yeah. You got one minute. Um, We just give you music. That's right. I like the music. Wait, that would that Congress should do that. Congress should have playoff music, Absolutely. as they do when people go on too long at the Emmy Awards or the Oscars or whatever. They start just playing yep. music when the speeches go. Yes, that's what we should do. Okay. You know, what they have is this loud noise that says the gentleman's time has expired. Yeah. Yeah. So they repeat. Yeah. So these are in your what three minute or five minutes or well, it you depends. Get a, you get you get whatever amount of time. Yeah. Whoever is managing the bill gives you. Okay. And in most instances for rank and file members, especially freshmen or sophomores, uh, you get one minute, uh-huh. literally. Yeah. So you, you have to fit your remarks into one minute. And it all goes in the record. It does on the record. Can and, you imagine and, how much paper this takes up? A ton of paper, but it's cheap paper. <laughs> and by the way, we're saving so much paper in other places. Yeah. That uh, but then you have to have your staff, if you want to be confident that the record is correct, yeah. you have to have your staff go and read. They send you a draft of the record. Oh, really? Yes. And you can amend it post-speech? change it. Yeah. You can? Yeah. Well, that's kind of cheating. It is kind of cheating. It's like taking well, a test and saying, I'd like to change my answer. I think if you change it, I, I, I'm not sure I ever had this happen to me, but I think if you changed it materially. Yeah. Or substantively. So you took out a statistic and put in another one. Or you changed a yes uh, from a yes to a no on some important point. Uh, They would make you justify that or explain it. But where they just didn't get down your words correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cohesively, coherently. Yeah, or they might have had a name misattributed or something maybe. Absolutely. If My you, staff probably would say, no, no, John, we had to fix your stuff all the time. <laughs> or if your staff was good, they would say, we never had to fix it. Right. Staff problem. They wanted to raise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a staff problem if you get something wrong. No? I mean, that's how I would think of it. Anyway, there's a lot going on here, and I want to get your brain on it and your analysis 
Uh, the Middle East is totally on fire right now. Um, never mind, weird way to say it, but never mind October 7th, but everything from it has gone from bad to worse uh, when you think about what's now going on on what we all knew was probably going to come, attacks from southern Lebanon, attacks from Hezbollah. We had, uh, of course, a huge series of explosions in Iran today, upwards of 95 to 100 people killed at a commemoration for Qasem Soleimani. Uh, We have the Houthi rebels. We shouldn't call them rebels. Let's call them terrorists. The Houthi terrorists continuing to lob missiles, fire missiles at uh, United United States forces. And um, would you permit me to allow me to run an ad from 1980 and just get your thoughts on this? Young David remembered this and played it for us yesterday. Um, This was a TV ad from 1980. Very slowly, a step at a time, the hope for world peace erodes. Slowly, we once slid into Korea, slowly into Vietnam, and now the Persian Gulf beckons. Jimmy Carter's weak, indecisive leadership has vacillated before events in Angola, Ethiopia, and Afghanistan. Jimmy Carter still doesn't know that it takes strong leadership to keep the peace. Weak leadership will lose it. Of all the objectives we seek, first and foremost is the establishment of lasting world peace. We know only too well that war comes not when the forces of freedom are strong. It is when they are weak that tyrants are tempted. Four times in my lifetime, America has gone to war bleeding... The The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of strength. Peace is made by the fact of strength, economic, military, and strategic. Peace is lost when such strength disappears, or just as bad, is seen by an adversary as disappearing. The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of restraint. I have repeatedly said in this campaign that I will sit down with the Soviet Union for as long as it takes to negotiate a balanced and equitable arms limitation agreement designed to improve the prospects for peace. The message Ronald Reagan has carried to America is one of confidence. Whatever else history may say about my candidacy, I hope it will be recorded that I appeal to our best hopes, not our worst fears, to our confidence rather than our doubts, to the facts, not to fantasies. And these three, hope, confidence, and facts, are at the heart of my vision of peace. Strength. Restraint. Inspired leadership. The time is now. Reagan for president. John Shattuck, uh, war comes when the forces of freedom are weak or appear to be weak, when there is a lack of confidence. And uh, funny enough, always from this unique area we call the Middle East or the Persian Gulf, um, we're here again. We're here again. Uh, we invited, I think we invited it by the our exit from Afghanistan, uh, which showed the world we were not up to the task. The current administration was not up to the task. And we've repeatedly uh, sent the same signal virtually every day since. And here we stand. Uh, We demonstrate weakness and they respond with power. Uh, And we, it it is shocking uh, that uh, this administration has been willing to do that uh, so consistently over such a great period of time and in different uh, venues. Uh, to a certain degree, what's going on at the 
southern border is the same message. You know, oh, uh, our border patrol are here to escort you across is what it comes down to and to bus you to a more comfortable facility and give you a phone or bus you or fly you to some other part of the country. If that isn't sending the signal that we want you to come, I don't know what is. And then we let the Houthi terrorists uh, attack our own people and we don't respond. I mean, what in the world, uh, how in the world could anyone imagine that, that not responding to a direct attack on American armed forces uh, would result in America doing nothing and and lead to uh, nothing but encouragement for the Houthi to do more and more and more. And so they attack Americans, and now they attack uh, international shipping, and we sit on our hands. It's smart that you put it as well as an issue at the border. Uh, I don't know if you know the Gillenwater family, old family in Phoenix, longtime family in Phoenix. I went down. They were the people who took me to go see the Lukeville border before anyone else did. I was after a woman from News Nation. No other journalist was down there before everyone else discovered the problem of Lukeville. I was down there with the Gillenwaters who have been spending a lot of time down there, John. And they uh, they were speaking to a man who crossed the border from Bangladesh. His name was Fahim. And he... Um, he was one of the few that spoke English. They asked, does anyone here speak English? Because mm. they noticed all these darkly complected people, not what you usually think of as crossing the border from Mexico. Turns out a lot of them were not from Mexico. Um, a lot of them were from Africa. But Fahim happened to be from Bangladesh. And um, he said to Troy Gillenwater, quote, and I'm quoting, in 2021, when you elected a new president, a invitation was announced worldwide. In fact, we all call it the invitation. Oh, my god! A global invitation to cross the American border, declare asylum, and stay. They call it, and then talk about, let me take the quick commercial Absolutely break. Absolutely shocking. Talk about not strength, but invitation for, yeah, and, let me take a quick. away with it with devastating consequences. Let let, let me pick up on that with you when we come back, because I think what you did in putting the border and this together has a lot of interesting implications and side effects, not the least of which could also be terrorism. John Shattuck and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Congressman John Shattuck is my guest. We're talking about what America's projecting and what America's doing. Using the Ronald Reagan equation from 1980, confidence or weakness, strength, uh, confidence or the appearance of lack of confidence, strength, or weakness. You mentioned not only the Middle East, but the border. The illegals flowing through at record and unprecedented levels saw Joe Biden as an invitation. That's not strength. That's just open the door, come on in, rob me, basically. They, they call it an invitation. Um, we could see terrorism as a result of this. Absolutely. I'll be shocked if we don't. When you think of those numbers, it would be shocking not to. Absolutely. When you think of what 19 men can do, when you think of what a mere 19 men can do with $500,000 or so. Well, and what's happening that we don't know? How many Chinese spies have come in and are here and feeding information back or spies from other parts of the world are here who were escorted across the border by our Border Patrol and are now wherever they are want to be doing whatever espionage or spy work they want to do at the behest of 
China or Iran or you name it. Brian Kennedy, um, who is the head of the um, uh, Committee for the Present Danger China, says when you look at the illegal Chinese young male adults that are flowing into the United States through the border, you are getting um, battalions a year. Battalions. Battalions. Um, The problem here, John, is I don't know what you do with it once you do get, let's say, a serious Congress and a serious president. I don't even know how you go about ferreting it out. It's not clear that you can. It's not clear that you can. Uh, it seems to me that it would be a, an extremely challenging task uh, to identify them since we haven't kept good records of them and virtually no records of where they are. But if you think about it, you know, for uh, a minority of truly bad actors to hide in that milieu and uh, avoid being tracked down— uh, it seems to me dealing with the issue, if we decide to today, will be just this side of impossible. Uh, and, I, and I think it was intentional. I think that their view is the more foreigners we can bring in, they will on odds be anti-American or can be persuaded to be anti-American or anti-conservative in any event. And we'll uh, figure out over time, how to get them to vote, and they'll vote. And uh, I think the, maybe the original thought was, well, let's, let's make Texas uh, woke or let's make Texas leftist. And that almost in and of itself seals up future presidential races. And because the media hid the problem for so long, I mean, I still think they're hiding the problem. Uh, Today, I think in part because the presidential race is on, uh, more than a handful of Americans understand what's going on. But for the first year, I don't think anybody paid any attention. You never saw it covered by any mainstream media. And you'd go talk to people and they'd say, what are you talking about? If you didn't turn on Fox News and see the hordes crossing and then hear that, in fact, they were being assisted basically in crossing. Uh, You had no clue? There was a drone about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, flying over uh, the border from Fox News, I think with Bill Malugan. I think it was Bill Malugan from Fox News who was covering it. And they made a concerted effort to say the drone was illegal. They didn't want the coverage of it. They didn't want the story of it. When Kamala Harris was asked by Lester Holt of NBC as to whether she would go to the border, it was a laugh line to her. Why would I need to do that? And any more than I have to go to Europe right now. She and says. when you look back that, why would they do that? Right. Well, if she just said, yes, I plan to go there. It's serious. I'll go there soon. There's a more people would have listened right. or paid attention and said, well, why is she going to the and border? And if she What's did go on? there, cameras would follow. And the pressure would have been on the media to, to do something. Right. So we all sat back as conservatives and said, this is bizarre that she would announce she's not going. And no how, interest. Just no interest. That, how can that be? And, right. and is that just something strange about her? And yet when you think about it, it wasn't her. This was a decided policy. No, we have to play this down. And the media, of course, uh, we were facilitating and making it easy for them to play it down. On any given day that Karin Jean-Pierre or Alejandro Mayorkas is asked about the border, they will tell you it's secure. They will literally look into the face of the American people and lie. Mayorkas, more than any 
public official in my lifetime. How? I mean, I, I, my skin. Yeah, and you were there during the Clinton administration, right? And, and, yeah. and my blood begins to boil when I merely see the guy yeah. because he is uh, so brazen in his deceit. Uh, he, he doesn't hide it in any way, shape, or form. He states flat out the border is under control. And he's just using those words in a way that he knows is deceitful. But it's a part of the plan, which makes you realize there is a plan. Get as many as possible across the border before some sane person stops us. You, um, you have, you, it's an odd political equation to think about where the American people would be on such a thing. Um, as raw political calculations go. So in other words, if you're the whoever the Democratic advisors are that Joe Biden listens to these days or Kamala Harris or anyone from the DNC, whoever they're listening to, John, um, the notion that the American people would continue to put up with this seems to me to be belied by the fact that these sanctuary cities like Chicago and New York that get hundreds on occasion bust or flown to them from Texas or Florida go into um, go into uh, paroxysms you know they they go into they, they go into meltdown that we would deign to send them illegal immigrants it seems to me that would be a message to the Democratic Party that this is something that is not going to work out well for us in an election so it's almost as if they're trying to outrun a clock here let's get as many of them here as possible before people wake up to there being a problem, then we'll lie to the American people that it is a problem. And then it'll be, as we said at the beginning of this segment, impossible to ferret it out and solve it once the problem is here. I think we should really go one step beyond that. Um, Yes, I think there is a concerted effort to bring across as many as humanly possible before the problem is discovered. But I think what is uh, most offensive is that the whole process is taking advantage of the nature of the American people. The nature of the American people is to be generous. Uh, when I, way back when I was still in Congress, uh, I had a number of good friends, quite a few good friends, who would come to me and say, John, you really ought to support DACA. And they'd tell stories about kids yeah. that were their personal yeah. friends or, yeah. in one case, a guy who was ex-military and he had a young man living with him. They were passionate advocates for DACA and, and they would pound on me. The ones that were my best friends would pound and then back off. Hold that thought. I want to come back to that. The tragedy of American compassion. There you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattig is my guest. He is really former congressman from the old uh, 4th Congressional District here, representing uh, central Phoenix area and, uh, and, and beyond. He is now the head of Shattig Associates, um, LLC. You were talking about, yes, in the Republican Party, there the Republican Party was of split mind on illegal immigration uh, throughout I remember this blowing up quite a bit around 2005, 2006. You were in Congress at the time when this fight was taking place between, let's say, the editors of National Review and the Wall Street Journal. I think that's where part of the big fight was. And because there was this 
level of compassionate concern that emanated from the more libertarian precincts in our party. I think that's fair to put it that way. I don't hear that side much anymore. No, you don't. It, uh, it's muted, isn't it? Well, it's muted because people have come to realize that's not what's actually going on. Yeah. It's not uh, a, a number of people trying to come under a rationale like the DACA kids who were allowed in and then got to be college age and couldn't get into college or couldn't pay, pay uh, or couldn't afford college. Uh, that was the issue then. What has happened is they now realize those, even those people, uh, still support DACA and and the concepts of compassion behind it, but many of them have discovered that what what this administration has done, what President Biden has done, is literally not only tear down the fence, but but reach out and extend an invitation. Uh, your friend uh, at the border. Uh, who says, yeah, when he got elected, we understood we could come. They wanted us there. And they could. And they could, and they did. did. And now people realize that their compassion uh, has uh, led to uh, them being tricked by the deceit of the administration. And I I don't don't even think today they have any comprehension of how big it is. Uh, I just heard... um, Who's the new Pennsylvania U.S. senator? Say, Fetter- talk about Fetterman. Yeah, Fetterman. Talk about the fact that the number of people admitted equals the population of Pittsburgh. It might. He's uh, our I, new Ben Horse, Ben Knight Horse. He's going to come our way. The way he's going. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, I think a lot of the DACA supporters who were passionate about it back then now realize: wait a minute, uh, we didn't mean everybody who everybody, not just in Mexico, but everybody in the world. Yeah who wants a better life, uh, who wants a better chance at uh, a, a home and food and, uh, uh, you know, the basics of existence uh, is going to get to come. Uh, and all they have to do is say the word. Uh, yeah, they, all they have to say the word is amnesty. Amnesty. They, they just they have to say amnesty. They have to say uh, that they're in fear of their life. Um, uh, What's the other word? Uh, amnesty and... Oh, I'm not sure, but but yeah, but the, yeah, but I know what you mean, and and all, yeah, they just have to say they're 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 fleeing a, they're 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 fleeing a, a, a humanitarian a humanitarian tragedy. They just say that they have to declare asylum. I mean, that's asylum. Probably the word that's you're the word I was for. looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. If they say asylum, they're in. Right, and yeah. and and we give them a slip of paper and say, come back in three years. To those, we'll catch, to, to those we catch, to those we catch, or catch, uh, which those we don't could be as high as thirty or forty. I'm not sure that there are all that many pieces of paper that I that I haven't lost that I got three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Every thank you note of mine you have. <laughs> Every thank you note of mine you still have. Uh, do, do you Maybe have a couple of insurance policies? <laughs> do you have letters from Barry Goldwater to your dad? I do. I bet you yep. do. Yeah, but, some of them, although a lot's got given away. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, to uh, various institutions that asked for him. Oh, like I have a letter from Barry uh, to me, which I treasure. So I do too. Yeah, uh, I wrote him when I was in the sixth grade, and I remember what the oh, issue was. Good. He was a senator, and it had to do with. 
you remember this debate? God knows why I was animated about it in the sixth grade. Had to do with the sale of AWACS to Saudi Arabia. There do you remember you that debate? <laughs> Actually, that doesn't like surprise that. me at all, given your <laughs> lifelong devotion to learning in this area. I'm me, not at all shocked. AWACS. Let me um, take a quick commercial break. John Shattig and I will come back right back. And let's go back to the Middle East when we do. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. John Shattuck, my guest. Uh, let's go back to where we were uh, throughout the 1980s, John, uh, back to the Middle East, back to Israel, Iran, Lebanon. Um, we're now uh, watching the confluence of things with Hamas and now Hezbollah. Think about what transacted yesterday with the killing of the Hamas leader in Lebanon. Um, you have a Hamas leader in Lebanon that's killed, but he's the political director and military director of Hamas in the West Bank, not Gaza. So he's in Hezbollah territory, a member of Hamas from the West Bank, not Gaza, all being fueled, all being uh, funded by all being animated by Iran. This is one nasty spiderweb, John. It's one nasty spiderweb, and it has been for all of my life and all of yours. But look at the consequences of American conduct. Mm -hmm. no, I would argue that none of what is happening there now would have happened if we were still pursuing the Reagan policy from that ad you played mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. If we were viewed today in the world as a strong nation that wouldn't tolerate uh, the kinds of things that happened uh, to start this conflict, uh, if we were viewed as having a military that uh, was both prepared and allowed to do its job, then uh, that bombing uh, uh, would never have happened. Iran wouldn't have dared, I don't believe. Uh, but you, you, in the absence yeah. of being, you know, it's uh, one of the phrases was the best way to ensure peace is to prepare for war mm -hmm. or to be prepared mm -hmm. for war. If Iran believed or if the Houthis believed that we would act with purpose and strength, and that we would uh, not uh, say things and then fail to follow through, but uh, make our word our bond and deliver on uh, the promises we made or the assurances we gave, uh, I would suggest to you uh, there would be no current war in the Middle East. I, I, I would accept the same because I think the theoretical was proven by the actual uh, the Donald Trump foreign policy, when yep. it came to the Middle East, had the Middle East fairly quiet. Absolutely. And, and with moving some pretty, peace. Right. And some people some think this action. war started because they were afraid there would be peace. Well, that's the interesting point, too, isn't it? So every um, non-Trump, every anti-Trump policy that the Biden administration engaged in with regard to the Middle East, baseline starting point being appeasement of Iran and trying to get Iran to understand that the United States wanted to work with them on reestablishing uh, negotiations and uh, sending them a lot of money. 
in the end, it was that very appeasement that proved to be so true as the history will record from Neville Chamberlain on, that the more you give territory or money to a monster, you grow the appetite. Absolutely. Peace in our time. Exactly right. The appeasement may very well be the undoing of the Middle East. And you can see that uh, when it appeared that, I guess, Saudi Arabia was going to reach an unprecedented peace is when uh, they felt, uh, our enemies in the region uh, felt, well, we can't tolerate this. You know, that's a great point. Right on the precipice of Saudi Arabia entering the Abraham Accords, right on the precipice of Saudi Arabia doing an official recognition of Israel is when the Biden administration geared up appeasement towards Iran, which is Saudi Arabia's sworn enemy, and destroyed both prospects of any peace and animated more war. It's been proven uh, time and again throughout history. You know, and Neville Chamberlain stands for the you know, the principle in a way that no other singular individual could. Yes, and it might be succeeded by Joe Biden. It might be succe- succeeded by Joe Biden, who um, who one wonders one wonders whether he knows what he's doing. One has to wonder that, but. Equally difficult to accept is the fact that our adversaries are looking at this country, at this country's leadership, and knowing it, too, is leaderless. You know, when Ronald Reagan said in that 1980 piece, it's not just when strength disappears, but the appearance of strength disappears, that war comes. We have done everything we can to project that appearance. You tell me, John. You tell me. You've sat and through, watched, observed, and legislated around a lot of different administrations— you tell me when you have seen a national security apparatus so missing in action. Not other in my lifetime than during this administration. And we talked before, it's not just the absence of the president's leadership. It is the absence of accountability for the people around him. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can talk him into doing nothing mm-hmm. uh, and our names will never be known. And if our names are never known and it becomes disastrous as one can argue it is in Israel uh, uh, or Gaza now, where they, the paper yesterday reported two-thirds of Gaza is flattened, uh, or what's going on in Ukraine. You see that nation is just reduced to rubble because we're allowing uh, Russia and Putin to do it. Again, the same thing. We'll, we'll talk tough and do nothing. It's not— Maybe That should be— Biden's yeah. Motto. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a, What's that? Teddy Roosevelt had thoughts on Absolutely. that too. But you know what? And this isn't scientific, but it says something. I think in every administration, and you and I, you know, we're we're a little more dialed into the news and, and policy just by dint of who we are and and the way we were born, but also by dint of our professions. Um. But in almost every infra- administration I can think of since I was cognizant. We could name the Secretary of Defense. We could name the Secretary of State. We could name the National Security Advisor. We could name the CIA Director. Now, you and I and maybe a lot of this audience could name Lloyd Austin and William Burns and Jake Sullivan. But I bet you say those names to most people, Anton Blinken, they would give you a blank stare. These, there's just no presence, John. There's just – they're not – really there. There's no, there's a French, great French word, puissant. They're not projecting anything. Aristotle said power is the ability to be and make things be. They're not even being. 
which begins, quite frankly, with the American education system yes. and the willingness of the American people over time to allow uh, authority and decision making to be taken from them uh, without objection. Uh, government can make life easier. Don't worry about it. The uh, deep state will take care of every, take care of everything. And suddenly, your freedom to decide. Uh, what kind of a heating system in your home? Well, that's gone too. Yeah. Uh, or uh, what kind of car you want yeah. to drive or what fuel you want in that car. Suddenly, all those decisions are taken away from you. Remember William Buckley's equation, the li- a liberalist someone who wants to reach into your shower and control the temperature. Absolutely. Of your John Shattuck and I will have a concluding thought when we come right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They offer a secure investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's an investment where you are in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, total peace of mind, no attack on principal if you ever need your money back, and, of course, a monthly statement with no surprises. So secure collateralized portfolio may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. John Chaddick has been my guest this hour. John, thank you for being here. You put your finger on the the probably most important word we didn't use enough in the past hour, which was our education system. Uh, As much as uh, people got to look under the hood of elementary and secondary education during COVID, it seems like over the last month and a half or two, a lot of the American people have gotten to look under the hood of our uh, college and university education no systems kidding. as well, and the rot there. My old buddy and boss, Bill Bennett, was asked yesterday after the Claudine Gay resignation whether Harvard can fix itself, and he said they can, but they won't. <laughs> and, and I and I and I he said it's just too institutionalized. And I and I wonder if you have thoughts on any of that. It, it is too insti- institutionalized in education and over time in more and more parts of our society. For example, you look at the entire environmental movement. We learned yesterday that uh, AP apparently has been granted billions of dollars uh, by radical environmental groups so that it will begin to slant its stories. To me, the last hour has been very much uh, an illustration of the old adage that we used to talk about. You know, you Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and he'll jump out instantaneously. You put a frog in a pan of water that's cool and then you turn the heat up and the frog will cook. That's what's happening to freedom in America. Uh, slowly but continuously and to my, from my point of view, at a stunningly faster pace each year, our freedom is being taken from us. Whoever imagined that the government would come along and say, well, you cannot have natural gas heat. You must buy a heat pump. My my, uh, air conditioning guy came to my house yesterday and said, look, John, heat pumps don't work uh, in a place like Arizona where there are these dramatic differentials in temperature. He said lots of people want to sleep at 65, and then the minute they get up, they want to wake up to 72. And he said, John, your house with natural gas, you can do that. If you have a heat pump, it'll freeze. But the government is going to substitute its judgment for ours. 
We didn't get a chance to talk about uh, the dog you're thinking about getting. <laughs> so we'll save that for next week. Because guess what? I have dog. thoughts. Okay. Good. John Shattig has been my guest, the Honorable, the Congressman, uh, Congressman John Shattig, um, head of uh, Shattig Associates, LLC. Uh, thank you for being with us, John. Uh, to the audience, thank you for being with us. Until tomorrow, on behalf of David Dahl, Mr. Bill, and Teresa, God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.